like haunts? Yes. Do you like immersive theater? Yes. Do you like escape rooms? Yes. What's the safe word? My haunt life. Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Russell. Russell, in the last podcast, you talked about your Chicago adventures and traveling to Miasma. You actually had a little bit of a chance to sit down with Justin, uh, the creator of Miasma, and talk a bit. Yes, actually, it was a very, very, very (laughs) quick grab of an interview, I think would be a way to put it. Uh, We didn't have a lot of time, actually. I was about to head to the airport and... uh, uh, we had worked uh, up until 5 a.m. the previous morning and then um, grabbed a couple hours sleep and then I had to head to the airport. But Justin was willing to sit down and talk briefly. Um, so I just took the opportunity to set up the microphone really quickly and we did talk about Miasma a bit, the creation of the show, the history of the show. And uh, it, at some point we have to sit this man down and talk to him more. <laughs> Definitely. Um, uh, We were both completely exhausted when this interview was done. Uh, And uh, it touches on some stuff that I would love to have time to do some follow up questions with. Uh, Time, unfortunately, was working against us when I got this, but I did want to uh, have a conversation with him. Uh, For those of you who who, um, missed our conversation, Uh, I actually was behind the scenes uh, and helped out behind the scenes a bit on Miasma, uh, which was called Miasma Into Great Silence this year. And uh, Justin invited me to kind of uh, join his team. And I was really, really glad that I did. Uh, So uh, you've heard the interview, Mike. Uh, What I'm going to do is at the beginning of this, there's going to be a little piece of audio uh, from inside one of the shows. And the reason I wanted to play a little bit of that was to demonstrate the intensity level of the show and the performances. And it'll give you a hint as to uh, the level of intensity of what was going on inside Miasma. And so here is an interview with a loopy Russell and tired Justin uh, about Miasma. Hey everyone, this is Russell. I am actually on location for My Haunt Life in Chicago, uh, where I was lucky enough to attend. Uh, what what year is this for Miasma? This would be year four. Uh, year four of Miasma. Uh, I am here with the creator. Please introduce yourself. My name is Justin Brink, the creator of Miasma. I was lucky enough to do Miasma in 2016, and that was the first time you and I met in person uh, afterwards. Correct. (laughs) Uh, And uh, it was a show which I interviewed you at the time for the podcast, and and we talked about the creation of the show and some of your inspirations and influences. It's interesting for me to come back now, and uh, to be totally honest, I think we need to do a full disclosure of exactly how I wound up here. I actually did not go through your show this year. You did not? I was sort of hiding in the darkness behind the scenes. I appreciate you inviting me along to join your team. And uh, it was an absolute blast. And I can honestly say, I think you're coming off an extremely successful weekend. And I think you're getting the feedback to support that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, the feedback was really excellent this weekend. And let's let's talk about the show. Like, how do you feel? Like, is this, Did the show that uh, got up and running, was that your vision? Yeah, in fact, when we talked to my wonderful, wonderful cast of people I love dearly. I even said this show is 95% exactly what I envisioned. That's that's difficult to achieve. I, I There's nothing about me saying that that doesn't know that. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, I was amazed that... Um, I was amazed at how true to the vision it really stuck and extremely happy about it. Oh, congratulations. Well, thank congratulations you. to you. Congratulations to the entire team. And you do uh, have a really strong cast and crew. 
and I, and I, I can, I, I get to say that from the experience of having been a small part of it. It was like, I, I, I was really impressed that this is a family. It's like, it's very clear to me that you guys have known each other a long time and that miasma is coming from a place of fondness for each other and fondness for creating something very unique and very special. I think that that is clear. And I think that's probably one of the reasons you're getting the feedback you are. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's, that's part of why we work so strongly together. Uh, we've done it for being, this is year four. We understand how each, each person thinks they understand how I think I have the utmost trust in everybody to if they need to make a quick change i know they know exactly how i would change it um and go with it and i trust them and they just go for it and it kind of blows my mind every time yeah and having having worked on haunts myself i know that that kind of uh to, to use the corporate lingo synergy uh comes from experience and working together and and you guys have been creating shows together now for a few years i, I want to go back a little bit and talk about uh 2016 uh, and where you've come since then. Because in 2016, the things that I really liked about the show, uh, one thing that you actually continued a little bit this year, uh, the show started with a pre-show uh, phone call and that you had to call in. And how did you expand on that for this year? In 2016, we just did little ARX elements just to get people into the story and we expanded this year with uh, emails and phone calls just to start building the story and get a connection to the characters and what they're about to experience. Have that story begin before they're even in the door. And uh, that, that was just how we built it. We didn't go too extreme in how you might have to uh, go to a place in a park uh, <laughs> at 2 a.m. to get a note and post it on the Internet. We kept it very simple, but we kept the story uh moving, getting our guests in the place we want them to be before they come to the door. And how long did that last? It was over a period of two weeks. Okay. We did something different this year by recruiting Evan Neiden of Candle House Collective, who the, their website, just to mention it, is candlehousecollective.com. And we went ahead and let Evan... We gave him some higher-level story elements and let him work in this uh, character that our guests were contacting from a company called MPS. Uh, MPS, I won't quite go into it because it is part of the show, mm -hmm. and maybe someday they'll be back. But Evan played a character from MPS, and he did a wonderful job creating this ambiance I hate to use the word immersive because it's so direct, <laughs> but immersive uh, phone call experience about recruiting these individuals for uh, a job on with MPS, which is where, how they got to us at Miasma. That angle that you took of sort of this corporate uh, entity that you were applying for a position, that was pretty unique, I think, in if I, I, I do not want to call this a haunt because I think it's more of an immersive theater experience. There's definite haunt elements, absolutely. But um, you really do immerse your patrons into the scenarios. And I think, you know, I can honestly say being behind the scenes of this year's show, I witnessed a couple of times when well, number one, I wanted to be the patron, <laughs> uh, which because uh, there were a couple of times when I think the patrons were actually shocked that they were put in the position where they had to make certain choices and they were given a little bit of free reign. Uh, and, and, and I know that they were always controlled and always being watched, but as the patron going in, you had to make some really fast snap judgments about the characters you introduced, you were introduced to, and the, and the way you interacted with them. And I found that fascinating. And that's one of the things I liked about the 2016 show, and I've complimented you with this before. I said it on the podcast. You introduced this weird mystery element in the middle of like this immersive haunt experience. And at the end of it, I actually was taken by the emotional impact of that. Now this year, uh, you really did thrust people into a high stakes situation. Can you talk a little bit about how this show developed? Because it's much more a 
aggressive than the show that I went through a couple of years ago. And by aggressive, I mean, I, I think the, what you asked the patron to do. We've been doing this for a couple of years, and obviously the more shows you do, you learn something every year. This year we learned many things, some of them specifically about tape. Uh, but that, that's a joke. Um, <laughs> there was tape everywhere. <laughs> we, we had some tape issues. Um, but partially it, it came down to what show, and Miasma always comes with this, what show would I want to do? What would get me excited right in the door? What is something that I would want to happen right away? And that's how this show happened. The, uh, essentially the first scene, quote-unquote, is something I've always wanted to do in a show, and no one I've never seen anybody do it. That's not to say no one's done it, but I've never seen it done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm comfortable saying what that is. We... Reveal as much as you want to, because I, I personally I think it's a fascinating concept that can go in many different directions. So the first, well, we bring them in, uh, do a few interesting, uh, have a few interesting moments with them, and. Uh, what I've always wanted to do and what we had our guests do was we handed them a gun, gave them a ski mask, and threw them right into a robbery. Um, and how we got to this space, when we started, and I think this happens with a lot of uh, extreme shows, um, it was a little more, I don't want to say militant, but do this, do that, do this, do that. And having doing these shows and having obviously experienced many other shows... I was finding what I love is having a little bit of freedom, a, a little bit of not so much only speak when you're spoken to. And that's that's the 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 rule, I guess, that we removed and said, go ahead, let's see what you do. Obviously within a, a, a safe confinement, but within that scene, we allowed them to, you need to grab this money, and but you also need to control your... Uh, uh, what's the word for it? your victims? Um, Hostage. Your hostages. Yeah, yeah. Control, grab money, and that's that's how we played that out. So we gave the guest just a little bit more freedom than we had traditionally done to actually just make it a little bit more immersive and not be not just bark orders at them. Well, it's interesting. I think you touched on something which um, I was able to witness that scene uh, a couple of different times from behind the scenes in the show. And I thought it was interesting to see how different patrons reacted. And I think you had some immersive theater patrons go through who were surprised at you left them with a character. And they did. I, I think it took a moment for them to realize they had power to step forward, to actually interact, to, oh, wait, I can go over there and touch that prop. I can, I, and you always had someone controlling them and interacting with them, but they really could move around. And I think you surprised some people because some people were very stoic and they just stood exactly where they were placed. And then you had other people who kind of, who kind of wandered the area a little bit. Um, and I know that eventually you have to get them physically to one, one point as in any show, but what you touched on of do this, say this, do this, do that, go here. Um, I think that's what people were expecting. So I think that's one reason that first scene, the robbery scene worked so well. And I, I compliment you on, it's a very visceral moment. I'm, I thank you. Um, but yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I was I had the opportunity to uh, see that scene quite a few times, obviously, uh, and it, I, I agree with you. It was truly fascinating to see every individual get right into it and watch what they do. Like, how do they control these suspects? Are I'm sorry, I keep saying suspects? <laughs> how do they control these hostages? And what are they doing when the scene starts changing a little bit than how it than how it began? And when they're left alone. Um, then you really saw what that individual planned to do. Um, and after the freedom kind of was a little bit torn away from them in that scene, mm-hmm. uh, you could see them slowly pull back and understand, okay, okay, this is happening now. So thank you, but it was, it was fascinating, and it did, look, it did look like people really enjoyed it, especially the immersive people that I, I agree. I don't think they expected that. I think they, I think they very much expected... Uh, come in here and get yelled at uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I, I well, think I, I don't want to, I'm sorry, I don't want to save that expectation, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree you've with been, you. Yeah, like, look, as, as immersive theater people, as patrons, we've had that happen to us. 
I know you've had it happen to you oh, and yeah. I've had it happen to me. So uh, I, I really think that that's a fun sequence. And also I love the fact that you, I, the, I think the very first thing in this show is you hand somebody a weapon and, and you walk away from them basically for a moment. And so you've given this a patron something which could theoretically do damage. And of course they're always under control. Of course it's perfectly safe, but that's a shocking moment. And it, it, I think it led to some really interesting audience reactions. And I think it, it opened up that first scene. And you're right, when it does change, it was interesting to see some of the differences in how they behaved. Now, story-wise, that transition where they start to lose some of the power and freedom, this story has a couple of surreal elements. And, I'm, and you, you described it to me that way. Uh, it's got some very twists. The narrative is not perfectly linear. And I think that's an interesting vibe to play with in immersive theater. I've, I've experienced uh, plays that don't necessarily make sense. You have to pull from it what you pull from. And in this situation, how do you feel? Because you were also at the end of the show when the patron walked out. Uh, did it get the reaction that you were looking for? It did. When they came to me at the end, I believe, yes, it had exactly what I was hoping to achieve. Obviously, the show, you know, it, it appeared as if it worked for everybody. You know, we did, not everybody made it through. Mm -hmm. So it didn't work for everybody. But uh, largely the people that had made it all the way through, uh, yeah, I, I believe we, we achieved exactly what we were going for. Something which I noticed about this show is that you have several moments that are built around the idea of someone being vulnerable and the patron is trying to help someone. Actually, that's an overall theme for the whole show for me. And you have a couple of times when there are some very odd choices that need to be made. Um, this is also a show that has some sexual elements to it, which is something I think has run through your work before. Correct. When you're planning the show, how do you take into account any potential for patron reactions? Because you're, I'm specifically thinking of a scene that there's a there's a bit of a humiliation element, not for the patron. I want to emphasize that, not for the patron. But they have to witness something which is very disturbing among your cast. How did you plot that out with a patron in mind? That is actually somewhat of a loaded question. So I, I'm going to kind of try to dissect it and hope I don't forget parts. Um, let's start with the sexual element. How do, you, how do you build that and how do you get that in there? Mm -hmm. um, I think in... An extreme show in horror it's very easy to get to misogyny and when sexual elements are built in i have two wonderful producers liz and deanna and they we talk these scenes out i write a scene they say here's what i think from a female perspective and then we work the scene to make it work uh, it, obviously not for everybody, mm -hmm. but to make it work so it's not, I don't want to say not offending, but it doesn't cross that line that I don't want to cross. I think we should clarify, since uh, that that's a very interesting point, and I think we should clarify that the person, the object in this scene was actually male. It was not the traditional female role. It's like, because I, I've been in shows where the female was the was the cast member who was being the subject of derision or something like that. And in this situation, we're talking about a scene where the male was the target. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and then the way we, we work that in is I, that actor who's a very good friend of mine, uh, we, I talk it out to him. I say, this is what I'd like you to do. Are you comfortable with this? And I give him some time and he says, yes, I'm absolutely comfortable with this. He has a line and I haven't crossed it yet. <laughs> and I'm sure he's wondering one day when I will. Uh, but he says, yes, I can do this. How do we do it with the patron in mind? So there's an interesting moment where they do need to remove the clothing from this individual. Um, how, how we get there with the patron in mind is... We push them as far as we can go with keeping the actors, the actor in this case, as comfortable as possible and the patron 
just on the edge of what they think they're gonna do. Well, you had a couple of patrons who, you you basically had to say, no, seriously, we want you to do this. That's true. There was <laughs> there was a lot of hesitation with the second command that they were given. Yeah, um, and that was an intimate that was an intimate moment, and it was in a, a very tense situation, as there is a, another character that was, for lack of a better term, making sure they got the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there was some squirming there, and I understand because there were we had guests that looked and turned around as in, are, are you serious? Right. I, I'm going to do this? Um, yeah, yeah. So it was an interesting reaction, and I think we played it off well. I think it, it played safe. No one went. No one did anything we didn't expect there. Which is good. <laughs> Which is good. Um, in that exact moment, the patron isn't trying to necessarily help. They're being instructed, you have to do this. But the act of complying, of following instructions right there is theoretically keeping that character safe. There are weapons in the room. People are being threatened uh, with their lives. One of the reasons that scene is so interesting to me, it's very chaotic, but it's also very controlled in the way it's presented. But the emotional stance of, I'm going to hurt somebody if you don't do this awkward thing. And then the patron has to make the choice of, I don't know if I want to do this, but if I don't do this, somebody's going to get hurt. So, and that's what I go, I went back to earlier. Like at times you have the choice in the, of, as, as the patron in the show to help somebody and to do some good or what you, what you think is good. That's an interesting observation because yes, I think there were some guests that were doing exactly what they were saying. I'm going to move this along, do what needs to be done here to help this person. But I don't think every guest thought that because some guests agreed with the individual giving the commands and they were not there to help them they were there to do the job that they were required and they went for it yeah <laughs> i don't i don't think they were feeling sympathetic in the least bit to these characters which i think is a really interesting dynamic i think that's what i was trying to explore was your scenes can be interpreted in multiple ways and that's one of them and yeah, like some of the patrons were completely, some of the patrons were yelling and screaming as part of that scene, uh, agreeing with the, with the guy who was kind of the perpetrator at that moment. They, they had the ability to make a choice, which, how did they want to continue the scene? Were they still along with that character that they started with, sticking with the job that they were given? Or had things slightly changed based off of the scene they experienced moments prior? Um, there is a scene, we talk about the robbery, there is a, a scene that happens very quickly after the opening robbery, and uh, once they make it to this particular scene we're talking about, there's a different vibe from the guest when they get there. And that's where you can tell, how are they going to immerse themselves? How are they going to take this? How are they going to approach this? And that's, I wanted to leave that open to see, give them the choice, not see, just give them the choice to be who you want to be here. That's really interesting. Actually, it's something that has come up on the podcast before. Uh, Mike and I have talked about going through immersive experiences, and my tendency is I go to, I want to take care of someone. If I see someone in distress, I want to take care of them. So, uh, and I had, obviously, before I came here, I'd read the script, and that was the one sequence um, that I didn't, I, I couldn't imagine in my head how it was going to be staged. And when I got into the space and I saw where it was and, and, you know, people were, some of the people were up against a wall, some people were cornered. Um, I have the tendency to always want to take care of somebody. And that's a scene where there's no easy answers. And I think that's, I think that has happened several times in your shows. It happened for me in 2016, very particularly one sequence where nothing I did would help anyone I felt and I think this is a show that has similar moments and as an immersive theater patron that is so challenging and so fun and when you said earlier it's like I wanted to create a show that I would have found interesting to go through what would you have done how would you have approached that scene I would have been very evil (laughs) there's there's no thought when I watched many of these guests go through there was never a thought in my head that I would be 
nice in this scenario. I would I would go with the original intention to scare these hostages and make sure they understand we mean business. Interesting. I didn't know that until I started watching. But once I started watching, what would I do here? I knew it. And also, uh, as you know, I did go through the show two times in a row right, right before this. Uh, but largely as, as directing a show, you're, you're looking for how, what things are happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't quite have that experience because I was essentially just getting through the, the scenes. Right. Um, but if I had never heard of the show, if I just walked in and didn't know anything about it, I know absolutely I would have gone evil. <laughs> That's interesting. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have. I would have. I, I. I think I would have tried to be manipulative. I think I would have tried to somehow circumvent what was going on, and which, of course, there is no choice. You can't do that uh, because of the way the sh- the scene is structured. But uh, yeah, I, I found myself several times like, how would I react? How would I react? Now there are some extreme elements to your show. You enjoy going through extreme events, correct? Correct. Well, I wouldn't use the word enjoy, but. <laughs> Yes, so, <laughs> I, I, I do. And, I do prefer experiencing them. As as haunters use that term, enjoy. <laughs> we'll use that loosely. <laughs> yes, I seek them out. There's a couple of moments in the show that that have what would be considered extreme haunt elements. You're considered an extreme event, I think. And as we talked about a little bit earlier, this isn't necessarily a straight nonlinear story. There are some, you know, you use the word surreal moments where things turn. Uh, patrons who think they are in control suddenly find that they're completely out of control. Uh, and usually those are those turns in the plot uh, happen right after an extreme element of some kind where they're uncomfortable or they're in an uncomfortable situation or feeling something uncomfortable. Um, were you deliberately trying to get someone to a specific emotional space? Because I know every patron is different. Or was that to jar the audience maybe? to get them to be surprised by what was coming next? I'd actually say it's a little bit of both. I think that some of the physically uncomfortable situations Mm -hmm. can bring you emotionally and uh, mentally where you need to go, especially within the surreal elements. and then hitting hitting the guests again with something that's very based in reality. Well, and I think it really worked well uh, for me when I did the show a couple of years ago. There was an extreme moment, and I came very close to calling safety in your show. But it happened right after a truly emotionally devastating scene. What was going on with me was partially emotional as well as just dealing with a with a physical element. Um, and it, and I'm and I'm not referring to pain. I want to clarify, I'm not referring to pain. And so this year, when I saw that there is another moment in your show, which is not pain-based, but it is extremely intimidating, and then you pull them out of that, and like, as you just said, you throw them into this realistic scenario. Uh, so I'm sure it was very disorienting, and I, I think that's what I'm drawn to about, now that I've been around two Miasma shows, I think that's what I'm drawn to about what you're doing, is that you are going for more of an emotional element than just shocking people. There's, there's more going on here. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, when you were gracious enough to say like, hey, there's a spot, would you like to come and join the team behind the scenes for, and help out? I think that's one reason I was so eager was to see, see it from a different side. It was fascinating to watch. No, I, I don't really have a specific question behind that, but I, I'm trying to acknowledge that I think you're exploring something very challenging. And it's a hard balance to find, I think. So I actually, um, you know, sitting down to do this interview, I just d- jotted down in my notes, I actually wrote claustrophobia as emotional reflection or warning. That's, you're right on target. Um, in an extreme show, which we, we do consider ourselves an extreme show, we're not trying to be the most extreme show. That's never been the intention and never will be the intention. In an extreme show, when you need to do physical elements, I believe, and you can confirm if I'm wrong here, Russell, (laughs) I believe that I've always built the physical elements in to get the individual to the emotional place I need them in the next scene. And I I, I do want to say that there were some that were painful. That does need to be mentioned from time to time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
I experienced one or two of them. I had, I had, I had a few <laughs> times. I, I always test the show myself. Um, I think you're correct. Um, the physical elements add to the mental and emotional state to get them where I need in the next scene. Mm-hmm. There are several times when there are moments of quiet and letting people reflect, you know, either immediately right after or right before something physical happens. I understood them as transitions. Watching it from behind the scenes, I truly understood that they were transitions. There was a scene in a very small room with only two other people. And I think people coming out of that scene in particular, uh, usually that was the emotional moment of the show because I, I saw them immediately after that and they were quite shaken in your show. Uh, the show, the sequence that we were talking about a couple of minutes ago, um, there was some male nudity by one of your cast members. And then it, it was a show where the patron had to witness something that where he was the subject of derision or he was the subject of, um, uh, a lot of emotional, I don't want to say abuse cause it wasn't abuse. Um, uh, humiliation might be there was a there was an element of that certainly um which i appreciate the fact that you didn't direct that at a patron and that's just a personal thing for me if you're trying to humiliate me why am i at your show i, I just like that's that's how i look at that and i love the fact that that rather than trying to do that to the patron you made the patron either a participant or trying to avoid it or trying to uh, deconstruct it like y- you had them wrestle with this happens in the world I love the fact that right near that sequence, you also have female nudity in your show, but the female nudity comes from a place of the way I interpreted it was power. You interpreted it exactly the way we were hoping to intend it. It's a beautiful image that was created in that room, quite surprising. And the, you know, the female nudity came at a time when like, this is the power, this is the person in control. Actually, I, I find that sequence, even though there, there was a, you know, a, a naked woman standing in front of the patron, I never interpreted that as sexual. I, I interpreted that as control and power. And I do not mean in a kinky way. I don't mean in I just like it just the presence in that room where the patron was given a choice to do something. And she was the one who held the key. This particular scene involved uh, a female nude, but it, it wasn't sexual. Nudity can be interpreted as, in, in this case, I was certainly trying to, to present nudity as bareness of, uh, they've had a lot stripped away at this point, not necessarily physically, but mm-hmm. emotionally, and oh, their, yeah. their guards have been taken down quite a bit by the time they get here. And maybe even their expectations, if we're doing it right. <laughs> um, and we, they're presented with a very bare, no holds barred, nothing else, nothing hidden choice. And I think nudity represents that. Non-sexual nudity represented that in this particular scene for me very well. Yeah, it did not feel exploitative in any way. And since we touched on the male nudity earlier, I, I, I just I, I find that an interesting thing in the show because I have been in shows that are misogynistic, uh, quite clearly. And it 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 sometimes comes off as being the lowest common denominator. And you know, that moment and, and I'll I'll say this, like uh, your shows, uh, the one that I went through and this show has some very shocking sudden mood changes. And that discovery of that person is one of those shocking moments of, cause she, she appears literally out of nowhere. It is the appearance of potential escape, potential freedom. That's the way I interpret it, watching it from the outside. The patron is asked to make a choice and they don't know where either choice will lead. Cause at that point you've confused the hell out of them <laughs> to be totally honest. Well, I don't, I, I, I hate to be cheap and give the cheap answer here, but um, it's largely up to interpretation. So oh, yeah. saying that I had this very specific, and that and that goes true to a lot of the show. A lot of the dialogue is up to the guests' interpretation. Mm-hmm. Certain phrases are said to them, and that is up to them to decide what does that mean for me in my life in my show because as we mentioned before the ARX is that does cross into reality uh-huh. and this show dips in and out of realities to surreal to reality to surreal 
back and forth. Uh, so I don't want to say I, I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be a chief immersive creator here and say I'm not going to tell you exactly 100% my intention of that scene. That's but fine. You're you're getting the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, also I mean I you know uh, to disclose sort of what I did was I was um, I was in that second room of the show just handling some technical stuff behind the scene transitions. Um, and I got to see that moment over and over again uh, because I was dealing with some of the light and some of the atmospheric stuff at the moment. When the, posi- when the patron was positioned in a way that I could read their face, it-, it was really interesting to see either confusion or decision or acceptance or I think I saw a little bit of everything in that scene. And I, and I think that's, as an immersive fan, I love those moments where just the, the moments of interpretation and, and your mind working in, in a very positive way of like, I'm trying to figure this out, but it is, it, it's like, it was a completely non-exploitive image to me. It was all about the power, you know, and possibly for me, freedom, but that's my interpretation. That's your interpretation. I do want to say though, <laughs> if any of our guests are going through that scene is very related to the last thing said to them in the room prior well, Justin, the name of your show is Integrate Silence, correct? Correct. Um, a lot of people come to us with... We, we do an application process. That probably needs to be a bit known here. We, okay. we don't just sell tickets. So we do ask a lot of our patron beforehand uh, question specific to the show. We've done this every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we find the, the answers that come in uh, are related to the show. And may, we've noticed over the years that a lot of people tend to go one way and there, there's no wrong way to go well there is a wrong way don't be crazy but uh <laughs> yeah i think don't be crazy is a good rule yeah, as it, an immersive patron they they tend to go a certain way with how they would like the information they want to give us the, what i'm what i'm getting at is we tend we see people that were looking for they had a void in their life the thing you don't have to me is the great silence and when they get into that room after everything they've done which they've already made quite a bit quite a few choices Mm -hmm. uh it's the bare facts of you've made a bunch of choices in this visual scene now it's your time to choose in the silence again here's your choice here you are bear choose what you want and in this case do you want the money or do you want that other thing yeah, <laughs> which at the moment people don't even realize what that other thing is. And they find out very soon. Yes, they do. Okay, but unpacking what we've unpacked a little bit, I think it's also fair to say that uh, you do present images that I think people could interpret as um, stereotypical sexual stuff, and I think they, they could walk away with judgment about that. And and we've had that in the past. We, we c- certainly people... Individuals, some individuals may be offended by what they see. They may may not interpret it the way we we intend it, and that's fine. Absolutely, um, yeah, I we, agree. I we think have had creator, guests, yeah, we have had guests leave mad. We have had guests think this. You know, this is not. I don't believe that's that's not for me, and I don't like it, and that's fine. When this, there's much that's up to interpretation, and every individual is different. With that said, you know we're not here to. We're, we are here. We're going to challenge you in uncomfortable moments. If that's physically, if that's in representation of nudity and sexuality, you may leave offended. You may leave uncomfortable. But we are, we are going, this will challenge some people. Oh, yeah. We're not out to prove something needs to be done this way. Or uh, someone might, might leave and say they saw something that we thought was, I, I guess, neutral. And they thought that was very offensive. Well, that's, that's what they took away. It's happened before. They might leave mad and think that was very offensive to me, whatever that might have been. Right. Uh, but we're going to challenge, and it's going to be uncomfortable. Which, personally, as as a as a patron of oddball, weird, off the wall theater and events, I don't mind being challenged. And yeah, and I have been offended in shows. It's like not yours. But I, you know, I have walked away. Then I need to work harder, Russell. <laughs> That's a personal challenge to you. <laughs> there you go. You have to offend Russell. I, we have to offend Russell. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that says more about the patron, 
if they walk away completely offended, then they've made up their mind in some way and they're not open to other interpretation, perhaps. I'm not, I'm not trying to make a blanket statement about all patrons. No, no, I got you. <laughs> and, and I don't want to sound pretentious by saying this, but you know, the nature of art is up to interpretation largely. Right. Uh, and that, I believe that's kind of, that is what's happening from, in the show. It's, they're taking interpretations, and especially the more visceral, uh, be it physical, nudity, sexuality, uh, what have you, they'll take away what they will. When you can't control, I guess, feelings. Right. So, but you want them I mean, to feel. I mean, I can. Yeah. But, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, but you want them to feel. That's, I think that's, that's the, the key. That's the, that's the point. That's the point is that whatever they feel, we want them to feel. And in the past, uh, our, our last show, which you, you were not, you did not attend. And, and called, to be, uh, 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 continue. I'd like to make a point about your last show, which I did not attend. But, but continue. But we, you, you do know a little bit about it. The point of our last show was very emotionally based. It was called No One Deserves Happiness. And we, we weren't there to it, – it, it had a very – I want to say this correctly. It had a negative we, – we did go in there to – let me say this. The show was called No One Deserves Happiness. <laughs> that might tell you the space we were taking you to. It was challenging for most every guest. It was very, very emotional, very personal to each person. Uh, we will take you to negative places from time to time. You might find something from it, or you might not. It's truly up to the guest. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I was going to say is the point I was going to make is last year, it's like I didn't attend that show. And what you were talking about, there's a um, there's an application process. And like I, I think last year if I had gone for it and said, I yes, I'm going to fly to Chicago. Yes, I'm going to do that because it just I was like at that at this time last year, life was really complex and pretty dark. And I think your show, I wouldn't have interpreted your show very well it would have been unfair to myself and it would have been really unfair to you and your show to go in with that baggage. Does that, am I expressing that at all? You're expressing that. You're yes, you're expressing that. So I, you know, it's like, it you like, and I, and I'm, I'm very aware of that and I make choices, especially with extreme events. Uh, there are some that I choose not to attend because I know the subject matter. I'm like, okay, you know what? I don't need that right now. It, that the show last year was very emotionally traumatic. I, I think that's the best way to to say to explain it as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, it took it took a guest that had to be in the right space mentally, and I, I think that the same is this year. This year too is that the guest had to be in the right headspace to do what we did this year. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, if that was the state you had, that would not have been the right show for you, and that's fine because sometimes the show isn't right for the guests. Right. And that's also why we have the safety word. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's why most shows have safety words. Right. And I, and I, you know, and I will say this, I, I saw someone use the safe word in your show this year and absolutely that person made the right decision at that moment. That person did. They, they did it at a moment that we didn't expect. Uh, we got that individual out. He, I'm, you know, I'm very proud of that person because they knew themselves well enough that they knew what was beginning. The, right. This this was where it was going to go, and it was probably going to get a lot worse. And he was very correct in that thought. I'm, I guess I'm assuming he's thinking that, but he knew himself well enough to say, "Nope, I can't do this." Right. And that's I mean that that I'm that's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I totally agree with you, and I think patrons should protect themselves. You know, and and yeah, I, and I think he made the right decision. It was interesting to see his reaction. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating world. It's a fascinating sandbox. And, you know, from what I've seen of Miasma, I really like what you're doing, where you're going. And I want to thank you very much for letting me crawl around in the dark on my hands and knees and flick switches for you, which is what I did. <laughs> well, it was wonderful to have you, Russell. I, I hope you got out of it what you wanted to get out of it. And we loved having you. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, and and I'll, I'll be totally honest. I wanted to learn. I've never worked. I mean, I've certainly worked haunts before. I've never worked a show quite that this experimental and uh, this physical and that was fascinating for me and i really appreciate the fact 
that you are so safety conscious because I am the safety nerd uh, and I am I'm known for that. I'm very, very cautious, mainly because I have been hurt in haunts and I have been physically harmed in a couple of shows. And I have issues with those companies that have done that to people. And you obviously, from the first moment I ever met you, I got the, the impression that you were in this to be safe and responsible, but as you said, to be challenging. And I think that's a, it's a fine balance to walk. And I think you're achieving that personally. That is my personal opinion. Uh, and I, I want to go back to, um, I interviewed you the first time I met you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after the show, because we didn't meet personally before I went through your show, and and you're creating this show with friends, and you're creating the show with obviously a very loving group of people, and in that interview, you actually used this quote. You said, I am creating this with some of the best people I know in my life, and I personally believe that that comes shining through. I really do. Sorry. That I mean, that's great. Um, I, I still believe in that quote. Uh, you have to be kind and loving to do some of the more, for lack of a better term, extreme elements. And these people, the be- some of the best people in my life, um, they're people I trust. They're people I know that care about what's happening to our guests when they're being challenged. And that's why we've continued with that. That that quote is from behind, behind the scenes. That quote still lives on and will. And I, and I think where I saw that is um, immediately after every patron left this year, uh, everyone gathered at the door, and we we all looked at each other and like I hope they're okay. Or they rocked it. Like we were so excited that they were having such a visceral emotional experience. And I think, I think everyone on the team sincerely wanted to know, it's like, did they get something from it? Did they get like, was this good for them in some way? That, that's totally correct. When I walked, I was outside that door, we should yeah. say. Mm-hmm. And before they reached that door, they did have a very intense experience uh, right before they went through that door. For, for some people, it was a very intense experience. Yeah. I, I would, I'd be willing to say for most of our guests, it was a very intense experience. Um, and they wanted to know because it's, it's, they're in a, a, a headspace that that person's probably not used to, hopefully. And once the show ended, yeah, they wanted to know. And I also wanted to be there to make sure they're okay. Yeah. And, and did the, you quote unquote like it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, the thing they didn't see was an entire cast and crew standing behind that door, waiting to to hear like whether it was a good thing for them. And a lot of the times when I came back in, at least one person was like, "Are they okay?" Yeah. One of the first things, just making sure that that individual went out and they're okay, and we didn't. Uh, yeah. We didn't. We didn't wreck them. Yeah. <laughs> too bad for all of the screaming and the noise and the, <laughs> like the the guns and the weaponry and all of that that took place. And like, there, there's a lot of love in that room. Oddly enough, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> all right. Well, I think uh, I want to again thank you very much for inviting me to participate in some small level in this. Uh, Russell, was... thanks for thanks for doing it. We loved having you. We really this was did. fun. This was fun. So and. Uh, before we leave, uh, Miasma, uh, how do people learn more about you? They can go to Miasma, M-I-A-S-M-A-A-T-E, Miasma8, uh, <laughs> com, And that's where we're located. Or you can find us on Facebook. The It's the same, uh, Miasma A-T-E. Uh, get on the email list. You have to be 100%. This is true. If you want to attend one of our experiences, you do need to be on the email list. Mm-hmm. Uh, be on Facebook. Be on Instagram. There's images and uh, information posted there. Our announcements usually go through there. Email list. You will never, and I. this will not change, you will never get into the show if you're not on the email list. And as someone who has been through your show and been behind the scenes now this year, I can honestly say there is a valid reasoning why. So I think that I think it's a smart approach. Right. That's not me being pretentious. That's not me 
just being no, no, no. There is a very specific reason we do that. Yes. Uh, listen, uh, congratulations Thank on you. a very successful run. And I wish you well in the future. And I'm sure our paths will cross again. Thank you very much, Russell. So, Mike, was I loopy or what? In general or in that interview specifically? Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, as I said, uh, we were working on only a couple of hours sleep when uh, when Justin and I sat down and we uh, only had a few, uh, a little bit of time before I had to run to, rush to the airport. Uh, thank you very much, Justin, for sitting down. Thank you very much for uh, letting me be part of the Miasma team this year. I really appreciate it. And uh, it, it's interesting, Mike. I, there's so much I would like to follow up on. Uh, he's created a really strong team. I love the fact that he's got so many women on his crew. Uh, and I uh, bet you do. <laughs> thank you. Uh, it's it's he's really done something kind of cool. Uh, and I know there's not a lot in that area of the country. So um, and he's 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 it's been interesting to watch it develop uh, after I went through it two years ago, and uh, it's definitely I think gotten more intense. And uh, I think more dramatic in many ways. I, I really enjoyed being behind the scenes on this. And it was one of those moments where um, I, I know, Mike, you've also done some haunting in your past. Uh, and you get those moments when you're watching something unfold and you go, I really wish I could do this as a patron. Yeah. And I really did feel that way about this show. I, I wish I had been able to go through uh, as a patron without knowing everything that was coming. Yeah, but you say that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it probably wouldn't have been for the best if you actually did it. Yeah, probably not this year. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, that was a long-winded way of saying thank you very much, Justin. Uh, definitely um, looking forward to what happens in the future with Miasma. And um, I'm, I would love to have a chance to talk to Justin uh, in the future. I, I think you'll talk to him in the future. <laughs> I meant to interview him in the future. Got I'm it. still tired. <laughs> uh, thank you again, Justin. Thanks, Justin. For not killing Russell. <laughs> or maybe I shouldn't be thanking you for that. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Okay, I guess that's it for this episode. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're both still alive. Uh, Miyazawa was great. And uh, we'll see ya. Get out. Mm. We're done for now. Oh, that just sounds weird. My body bag is uh, sturdier than your body bag. <laughs>